Hey there, fellow therapists. You are listening to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. And in this episode, I invited my friend Mary Beth back on to the podcast. Mary Beth and I previously recorded an episode together all about time management, which you will definitely want to go back and listen to. She's a fellow therapist and a new mom. And in this episode, we explore the ways in which she navigated her pregnancy while running her private practice, sharing the news with her clients, how she prepared herself and her business for her maternity leave and her recent experience of going back to work, the feelings that came with it and how she's navigating that transition. This is an episode that really bridges a couple of topics that I really care deeply about and I'm so excited that you're tuning in. I really truly think that you will leave this episode not only feeling maybe less alone in all the complex feelings that can come up when you're navigating these identity shifts, becoming a mom and also being an entrepreneur and loving both your career but also feeling your priorities shift and change. I think you're going to leave this episode feeling less alone in your feelings and also with some really practical and logistical tips and ways in which you can be navigating this transition with more ease. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really excited to share this episode with Mary Beth with all of you. So let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hello, my friend, Mary Beth. I'm so excited to get a chance to chat with you again today. You've been on the podcast before, but this is a topic that like bridges several of things, several things that I'm really passionate about. And you are like in it, you are in this transition. Um, so yes. I'm really excited to dive in with you to talk all about this. But before we get to our topic today, maybe you can share with our listeners a little bit about you in case they don't know you yet and what you're passionate about and the work that you do. Absolutely. So I'm a licensed therapist and I'm in private practice. I have a private practice called Your Journey Through. And I primarily work with teens and young adults from a modern mental health perspective. I focus quite a bit on family dynamics. And I'm also a business consultant for other therapists in two different capacities. So private practice and then social media marketing, specifically Instagram for therapists or coaches or wellness professionals, which it all kind of happened naturally. I was just DMing with people and they were kind of like, you know, how did you do this or how did you do that? And you probably had a similar experience where you're like, I'm spending lots of time giving out a wealth <laughs> of information to people and maybe I should make this into something, um, which is when I started my um, consulting offerings. And then eventually that turned into a course. So that's exactly how it went down. <laughs> yeah. I think that I had people, yeah, sending me DMs or emails. Um, I'm also a professor, so I had students and I was running a supervision group, so I had supervisees asking questions about private practice. 
asking questions about being on social media um, because, yeah, it was back in the day when there were not a ton of therapists on social media and it was like a new new horizons, new paths, you know, being paved. And I loved having those conversations and it just sparked this passion, which it sounds like it did for you too. Yeah. And I love the work that you're putting out there. I'm so grateful that we had a chance to connect back um, when I first launched my course. I think you were one of the first. Folks. I was. Like yes. I think you were one of the like the like first 10 who like enrolled yes. when yeah, and I first shared it. Um but since then you have also become a mother. So can you share with us a little bit about your your daughter and a little bit about that transition because what I what we're diving into today specifically for this episode is talking about that transition specifically as a therapist, right? Like how you navigated that with clients and how you prepared for your maternity leave and all the good things. But first, tell us about your little one. Yeah. So I have an almost four month old named Isabel and she is just like pure joy. I have always Mm -hmm. wanted to be a mom since I was a little girl. I was like totally not into Barbies, all about the baby dolls, all about the mom life. And so just, I don't know. I just can't believe she's like here and she's real and Mm -hmm. she's precious. But yeah, like you said, I am a month back into work. And so it is just fresh and new and yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it all. I know you often talk about like, oh, am I talking from a wound or a scar? Mm. And I'm like, I'm somewhere in the middle. Like mm. it's really fresh and it's really raw, but yeah. I'm also like finding meaning in a lot of it as an experience. Mm-hmm. I thank you for for sort of naming that piece because I want to honor that like you are speaking from like being in it right now, right? Which is a mm-hmm. which who knows like you know, four or five years from now, when you look back, you might share your experience from a totally, totally different perspective and a narrative that has sort of evolved, but you're, you are in it right now, right? Um, And I I just want to kind of take a moment to honor that, that this conversation is you sharing from a place of being in the middle of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, How old is your, how old is your baby? She'll be four months next week. Okay. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about the whole sort of process of, you know, finding out that you were expecting and what the pregnancy was like and different ways that impacted your work and how you navigated, you know, having clients and being pregnant and sharing it with clients. Talk to us about the pregnancy component of it. Sure. So I found out, oh my gosh, this is funny because I was looking at the calendar and a year ago tomorrow, I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> oh my gosh. Happy yes. finding out anniversary. <laughs> That's a, it's, a big, it's a big date, you know, especially it sounds like you wanted to be a mom for a long time. So yeah. Yeah. So that was exciting. Um, and being pregnant during a pandemic was unexpected also. <laughs> Yes, I was also uh, pregnant during the pandemic, gave birth during this pandemic. Um, For future listeners, um, it is the end of May 2021. So, you know, you and Mm -hmm. I had babies in the midst of the COVID 
crisis. Um, yeah. And that was – I've had two other babies. This is my third. And it was very – it had unique features for sure, having yeah. – uh, being pregnant and giving birth during this time. Certainly. Um, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit more. But yeah, it was – Definitely, definitely different. Um, <laughs> it brought a lot of new components into my work. Um, and at first when I found out, I was thinking, you know, how is this going to change my work and the trajectory mm-hmm. of the next year? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we were planning to get pregnant sometime within the next year, but not that quickly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my first thought was, oh, I thought I had more time to figure this out. And maybe not after all. So then I, you know, just was really getting through the pandemic because we, it was right in the midst of all of it then. And around the fall or maybe late summer is when I started to say, okay, what is maternity leave going to look like? Because as private practice therapists, we don't really have maternity leave built in and, So the first thing I did was I told my clients when I was around five months pregnant, because that's when it felt like the right time for me. And I think you really kind of have to tune in and figure out what the right time for you feels like based on a number of factors. Um, But for me, it was becoming kind of hard to hide at that point. And I also really value transparency with my clients and they're sitting across from me sharing some of their deepest things. And I'm sitting here with this like big thing Mm. (laughs) and to me, um, that may and will probably eventually affect our work together. Yeah. So, um, around five months is when I told them. And then the next step I took was actually to change my business entity type from, a sole proprietorship to an LLC. And that was with the intention of hiring an associate therapist. Mm -hmm. And once that was in order, I put out a job description actually on Mm indeed.com and with a lawyer to drop some hiring paperwork. And so I started that process about three and a half to four months out from my due date and ended up hiring my associate Megan about a month after that. And so I decided to do this for a few reasons. One was I was receiving more referrals than I could take. It was the height of COVID. And while that meant slowing down professionally for a lot of people, it was the opposite as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Everyone's mental health was like in shambles, if we're honest. Yeah. And it was, you know, really hard to keep up and... So I already had a waiting list ready for this new hire. And the second reason was I was going out of office for maternity leave and I really wanted to hand over my clients who wanted to continue work during that time to someone that I really knew and trusted. And so that felt good to me to be able Mm -hmm. to almost handpick the referral that I was, that I was giving them. And then the third was a way to maintain a passive income throughout my maternity leave. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was definitely a good decision. How did the two of you structure that like logistically in terms of um, how you were having a passive income through that hiring? Yeah. So I took a percentage of her session fee. Yep. She's an independent contractor and 
then uh, in return for that, she gets my office mm-hmm. and um, several other benefits like the the wait list waiting for her. Yeah. So yeah. You know, she's got like a full client load ready to go yeah. um, out the door, which often takes private practice therapists like up to a year or more to Oh, totally. To it definitely can. That's like lots of built-in win-wins there for both of you. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear if we could back up a little bit um, – about your early pregnancy, um, I know for me, and I can speak to this a little bit myself, but there were, I had a lot of symptoms early pregnancy, mm-hmm. especially with my third. It seemed like with each one, my body's like, oh, we know what we know what we're doing here. Like, let's just like do a surge of these hormones that, you know, led to so much nausea and mm-hmm. fatigue. And, um, and this was like early on, like way earlier than I was than I had typically shared with clients in the past of when I was to share that I was pregnant. Um, And it was earlier than typically I'm ready because I've had pregnancy losses in the past. And, you know, that was something that I knew if I was going to share this with clients um, and then had a loss, that that would also be something to to share. Um, And that would mean different things for different clients. That would mean different things for me. And, I ended up sharing so much earlier with my third because I literally had to. Like I was going to throw up in the middle of a set of sessions, you know, Um, or I was – I had a symptom where I was – I would gag a lot and I just – I couldn't – like if I held it in, it would actually feel worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'd just have to gag sometimes just Mm -hmm. to like let it out or burp. Um, And I was just – I was so tired. There were times when I had to reschedule. Um, so anyway, I guess, I guess I just shared what that looked like for yeah. me. I'm curious I can, what that looked like for you early on. Absolutely. How you navigated that. Thankfully, I didn't have super intense sickness, definitely a ton of nausea that first trimester. Um, but I wasn't actually le- having to leave the session to be yeah. sick or anything. Yeah. Um, but the really strange symptom that I had, uh-huh. which I didn't even know was possible was like this jaw tightness and popping. Oh, yeah. And so I went to my chiropractor and she was actually, um, a perinatal chiropractor yeah. and she was saying, your jaw is actually linked to your pelvic floor somehow. <laughs> so and wild. Our body. Yes. So, but this is difficult because I embarrassingly enough had this urge to yawn constantly because my jaw was so tight. And obviously in a therapy session, this can be viewed as rude because someone is paying you to talk to them um, and to listen to them. And And then you're yawning. Yes. (laughs) And so I have honestly become like a professional at like masking the yawn, whether it's like taking a sip of tea or there were a few clients I just like was transparent with them um, yeah. because it was just easier. But yeah. it was definitely a challenge. And I, I love that you just sort of mentioned this piece about some with some clients, it was a little bit different, right? Like I definitely, when I found out I was pregnant, um, took stock of who I was seeing and who was on my caseload and how – I mean, I specialize in peripartum wellness, everything from fertility to pregnancy, postpartum, loss, all of that. And I really had to go through each of my specific clients that I was working with at the time and consider what my pregnancy would mean for our work with each other, right? And um, that influenced the decision of when I shared 
um, how I shared, um, how often we would sort of revisit it um, because I could share and their first thought could be congratulations, but they could go home and that they could, they could process it in a way that might feel different the next session um, for them. Whether there was fear of, aban- of feelings of abandonment, uh, f- you know, feelings of, of jealousy, feeling like, um, you know, I, I can't talk about these things with you now. It feels like it's this, this, this space has, feels different. The relationship feels different. I wanted to have space for that to be something we could talk about. Um, and so I kind of just took stock of each of my particular clients and navigated them as best I could individually. And I say that as best I could because I definitely had a session where I gagged in the middle of it and then my client was very confused <laughs> as to what was happening. And this was someone that I probably would have waited a little bit if I could have to share. Um, and we had, we had the conversation right then and there. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's tricky, but these conversations can actually be really meaningful, really, um, really important conversations because, you know, there's not, there's not, there are times when I am very intentionally self-disclosing, right, from, from, from a place that maybe has healed. Um, and when it feels very, um, like it's going to be a good thing to share this in that moment with that particular client, right? A good fit. Um, and this is an opportunity for me to share something and the vulnerability that it takes to open up about that um, and the way that the conversation, the questions come can sometimes be actually really connecting um, between you and that client. And so I know a lot of therapists ask me about that, um, especially when I was pregnant, like, when are you sharing and what's that like? And I'm so scared. And mm-hmm. I found that um, there were some really hard conversations that came up, but they were important. Even the clients that had feelings of jealousy um, or fears of abandonment, right? That I, that they now, as I got bigger and bigger, there was this real time that we were no longer going to be able to see each other. This brought up stuff for those clients that were actually really important conversations to have. Um, how other people around them getting pregnant was triggering to them or what it, what it means to have a really safe relationship um, in this way, you know, come to an end in this way. And what do we do next? What do we do about this, right? So I don't know. I, I don't know if you had similar experiences, but I wanted to share that because I think there can be a lot of fear about talk bringing it up with clients initially. Yes, I agree. And I think there's so much dynamic to those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so really looking at each client individually and you know what that brings into the room together is, yeah. is important and it's sensitive, which I think is our job to be. Yeah. So um, yeah. when you say, you know, other therapists talk to you about the fear that they have of telling their clients that kind of brought something up for me because, Mm. um, I found myself working almost double time toward the end of my pregnancy Mm. and really long hours trying to do all the things. And when I explored this deeper, I realized I was having some anxiety around Mm. this transition from career woman to career woman and mother. Mm, (laughs) And because I love my career and I, but I also knew, or, and I also knew that I, this baby would soon be my priority. Mm. And I was trying to compensate by giving 150% of myself to my work before she was born. (laughs) 
because I was like, well, I'm never going to be able to do that again when she's in the picture, which resulted in burnout, of course. Um, But I really had to name and name that anxiety and reconnect to my values. And I think that there was honestly a subconscious story that I was telling myself that maybe I would be viewed differently in a professional capacity as a working mother. And I hate that that was this narrative, this subconscious narrative in the back of my head. Um, and unfortunately it's validated in, in ways culturally by the wage gap, um, for working mothers. I mean, I've heard that they're paid 75 cents to every dollar, um, in comparison to fathers. And then the gap widens based on race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, you know, this, irrational thought. It's actually validated culturally. Mm -hmm. It's in the air we breathe in. I mean, it's like everywhere you go. And so, of course, this narrative, this little discourse, this story is in the back of your mind subconsciously. And then it sounds like what you did is you were able to bring it more to consciousness, right? To be able to name it. And what happens when we do that, when we bring things out of the shadows, the stories that really are powerful, right? Um, the way that our brain makes sense of the world is typically through narrative. Um, and when we bring that out and we name it, then we get to decide, huh, is this story actually the story that encompasses the full picture, right? Um, is this a story that's serving me? Um, is this actually what I want? Is this aligned with what I value? Um, yeah. So I think that it sounds like by naming it for yourself, that was a really powerful step for you. But mm-hmm. I will say I have three children. I am postpartum right now. And I still get hooked by that narrative of like, mm-hmm. you know, I needing to overcompensate, um, needing to prove something, needing, needing to prove myself as a mother that I'm like present and that they're my priority above all things. Um, and then that I am, you know, dedicated to my work too. And when the truth is, is that they're both, I, I love both of those parts of my identity. Um, actually when I, like right now, my husband took the kids out of the house. It's quiet. I'm chatting here with you and I love this moment. <laughs> and when my kids come home, I will be a better mom because I had this space. Um, so they, in many ways, can support each other. Um, but when perfectionism, my good old friend, jumps in the driver's seat, um, that's the one-way trip to burnout. That's when, like, I'm doing all the things, but it feels like I'm doing none of them well, you know, yeah. and that doesn't feel great. Um, but absolutely, the discourse around gender and um, plays a part in that, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. And so if you could go back to yourself, right, like travel back in time to very late in the pregnancy version of Mary Beth, like what would you whisper in your ear? Like what would you like, what would you say to yourself? How would you embrace her? Oh, what a powerful question. (laughs) I think I would tell her to slow down, Hmm. that it can be both. 
Um, mm -hmm. I think a piece of the anxiety was that I was, I had never had a baby before, so I didn't know what would come after yeah. her birth. Yeah. And now that I know, um, that makes a big difference. So if I could mm -hmm. have just given myself that piece of reassurance then mm -hmm. about the unknown, I think that would have been really helpful. And maybe somebody who's listening right now can hear it and take that mm -hmm. in for themselves. Um, because, yeah, I do sometimes wish that I could truly bottle up the perspective in so many ways in motherhood. Like, you know, with this being our third, we prepared in so many more key ways than we did with the first because this is like my thing now. Um, mm -hmm. But, gosh, if I could bottle up this perspective of knowing that, like, you will sleep through the night again. Like, you – like, you know, after my traumatic first birth, like, you will get to a place where that birth – you will, you will get to a place where you're ready to process it and it doesn't – you don't think about it and just feel the flood of shame. Like if I could just bottle up those, that perspective of like what my future self knows, um, gosh, I would be able to sell that perspective for a lot in that bottle because it right? would change things for everybody. But yes. it's, um, it's so hard. It's so hard. and um, But I do think there's a lot of power in – being able to kind of imagine what yourself at that time needed to hear, right? Mm -hmm. And imagining going back to yourself and and healing in those ways um, through that sort of self-compassion. Yeah. And it was around that time that I was starting to feel burnt out and realizing there was more to this. There was that underlying narrative that I sought a perinatal therapist mm -hmm. for myself. Yeah. Um, so when you ask, you know, what steps did you take to prepare yourself and your practice for maternity leave? That was one of them. Mm. And I am all about preventative therapy. And obviously I'd never had a baby before. So I <laughs> wanted to set myself up to be in a supported position both before and after. Yeah. And thank goodness I did because you my prepared daughter... postpartum too. Didn't you yes, didn't sign up yes, for that my course? <laughs> I did. Yes. Um, so helpful. And um, so I'm so glad I did those things and especially finding a therapist because my daughter's birth yeah. did not go as hoped. It honestly sounds yeah. similar to your first birth. Yeah. And it was actually quite traumatic for my partner yeah. and I. Yeah. And so after her birth, we both actually met with her together about two weeks later to process it. And it's been a wonderful source of support. Um, I also hired a doula who was excellent. However, the hospital actually asked her to leave when things took a scary turn. Mm. Um, I think partially because of COVID and partially because it was an emergency C-section. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but we were able to reconnect postpartum and she came to our house multiple times. And mm -hmm. so setting up a support system of birth professionals is something yeah. I can't recommend highly enough because you may not think you'll need it, but birth yeah. is unpredictable. <laughs> and oh, yeah. You and know, even if the birth it. goes easy, I mean, I know people who had the smoothest birth, like the baby slipped out. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that, I don't know. I, like, that's not my experience. I don't, I do not right. have babies that slip out that way, <laughs> yeah. but it could have been the breastfeeding journey, like the sleep journey, their mm -hmm. mental health, um, their relationship, uh, all of a sudden challenges in their family relationships become intensified after a grandchild is in the picture. Like there's just so many different ways in which challenges can show up and yeah, one of the things that we walk folks through in prepared postpartum is setting up that 
support system plan, like activating it. Like even if people aren't jumping up to help, like how can we put in place all the protective factors? Because you don't need to prepare for the beautiful things and those will be there too. But we do need to prepare for the dynamic and unique nuanced ways in which each family and each individual and each couple um, experiences postpartum. And yeah, I'm so glad that you had that support in place. It sounds like it was everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so helpful. Mm. Okay. So now you are navigating going back to work. Um, and I know that this is still very fresh to you. Um, so I would just love to hear you. I'm not asking you from a place of like you needing to have all the answers, right? Mm-hmm. But from a place of what has it been like for you? What has been this experience so far in coming back? Um, and and I also want to ask because you've taken you took steps to diversify your income, um, not just by hiring someone, but you also created a digital course. And so yeah. I'm curious to hear a little bit about the ways that you diversified so that you had passive income or or income or like a cushion, I should say, um, going into your maternity leave and then your decision about when you were going to go back and what that's been like so far. Sure. So we talked a bit about hiring the associate, which was the first form of passive income. And the second was creating my course, Insta Growth for Therapist. I launched it a month before my due date, which I would not (laughs) recommend. (laughs) If I could go back and do that over, I would certainly have a different timeline. You're like, Um, if we're we're going back in time and I get a chance to talk to my past self, like maybe I would have not done it a month before I had the baby. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it did turn out to be like my primary source of passive income throughout maternity leave. Um, So Ultimately, I was glad I did it and it was successful, but it was a lot towards the end. Um, And a couple other steps that I really recommend if possible were I started working virtually only starting a month before my due date Mm -hmm. because prior to that, I had been seeing some clients in the office since therapy is essential. And um, so I started just only virtual appointments in January because I was just uncomfortable sitting in a chair for so long. (laughs) So I got to be at home in my stretchy leggings Mm -hmm. on my ball, right? Yeah. (laughs) Those like giant birthing balls. Yeah. Um, And then I stopped seeing clients altogether 10 days before my due date, because Mm -hmm. at that point I just really needed to like slow down and like take naps and just really prepare. And I felt that like in my body, I felt Mm -hmm. my body like preparing for this big event that was about to come. Um, so yeah. And then I felt like this, I remember feeling, hmm, just wondering what would feel right because it was my first baby, but Mm -hmm. I settled on three months of maternity Mm -hmm. leave and Mm -hmm. kind of in a flexible way to where I was like, if I'm itching to go back before then I, you know, I can, but if, and if I want to push it, I also can, Mm -hmm. but I said three months and Mm -hmm. it actually ended up working out to where I was like, I think I can do this. I think this is a good time 
actually. Yeah. And I experimented a little bit with it because I took a couple consulting clients yeah. prior to three months, just like yeah. honestly one a week or two a week mm -hmm. um, when my husband could take the baby or whenever. Um, and it felt really good to reconnect with that part of my identity. So I said, you know what? I think I, I think this feels good. And I talked to my perinatal therapist and she recommended that I kind of taper my clients coming back in. Mm -hmm. And so I started, so yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad she said that. And so I started seeing with seeing three clients a day, my first week back, which, mm -hmm. you know, before maternity leave, I was seeing like six a day. So it was yeah. much lighter. Um, and then I started seeing four and occasionally five mm -hmm. and I'm still kind of there. I'm still seeing either four or five. Um, and how because, many days you know, a week are you seeing clients? Just three. Three. So I um, eliminated, I used to be in the office four days a week and now it's mm -hmm. three days a week. Mm -hmm. And that also feels really good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that postpartum things can tend to feel a little more overwhelming than they did before because, yeah. you know, your body is even experiencing this legitimate nutritional deficiency yes. um, post birth. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I was reading some research and sometimes it doesn't regulate for up to like two years postpartum. I totally believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just, I'm really trying to honor that. Mm. And I also want to acknowledge the privilege I have to even have the opportunity to honor that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I hear you. I hear you. It is a privilege. It's, it's, it's both something that you're, um, you know, you're honoring the fact that you've, you made really intentional decisions and it's a privilege to be in a position to access support, access resources, right. Um, to take the time that you needed. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking a little bit about, um, you know, this last birth I had and I, it was, so the pandemic, everything kind of shut down March, 2020, and she was born in July. Um, and so I moved virtual and I was getting to the point of being my third pregnancy. I mean, I had to pee all the time and I wanted those stretchy pants like way earlier. <laughs> and yes. it was really nice to move virtual. I did end up deciding to take um, the month off before she was born. And, and I, I started to slow things down a lot quicker with some clients than I did, than I had anticipated because of the virtual learning and distance learning with my two older kids. And it was just crazy, crazy time. <laughs> um, and then we had her and, you know, I've actually taken now from seeing clients, I have not seen clients for almost a year now. And, wow. um, I mean, I'm doing coaching sessions and I have my courses, um, but with the distance learning, I wasn't able to maintain, be HIPAA compliant with my clients because everybody was home the whole year. Mm -hmm. But I was very grateful that I had taken steps to really diversify the work that I do. Um, so, you know, I made money this past year with my e-courses, with my podcasts and having sponsors, with coaching clients, um, and with doing like live workshops, um, once in a while when my partner could, could handle the kids and take care of them. And so diversifying was huge in just giving me, cause with my first two, with my first, I went back at three months and back like full time. And then with my second, I was in the middle of my PhD program 
And I went back to school at six weeks postpartum. Oh, and my then, goodness. I, and then um, because I was trying to finish my life, getting my license, I went back to St. Yeah. Clients really quickly too. And that was really, really hard. Um, and I really wanted to – and then we had a big gap between the second and this third. And I really focused on my business and creating a business that could sustain me through – I didn't anticipate a year. I didn't anticipate a pandemic, but um, I, I really am glad that I set it up in the way that I did because I really did want to not go back to seeing clients as quickly as I had with especially the second. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to start seeing clients again soon, and I anticipate it also being maybe three days a week, um, you know, maybe four clients a day, um, and – Yes, like I think doing that slowly too, just because it's going to be a little shock to the system um, in terms of, yeah, what the days are going to look like and the childcare right. and all of that. Um, so a couple things that I, you know, this is for anyone, even people who aren't therapists, but a couple tips that I always like to share now that I've been through it three times <laughs> in terms of the transition back to work. Like here's a couple things that I think can be really helpful. I think first, it's to honor all the feelings that are coming up around it, right? There can be both and feelings. There can be joy and excitement and like relief. And that's probably an indicator that you are human and need a break, that you maybe love your job and love having um, adult conversations and doing something that you feel you're good at and having people tell you you're doing a good job, <laughs> like if that's your, the case at your job. Um, and that's beautiful. And sometimes when we feel that, it can be followed up with sort of, you know, guilt or shame. Like, does a good mom like want to go back to work so badly? And I think that comes back to like, again, honoring what's the narrative and story you tell yourself. If the narrative is, I want to go back to work because I love to be stimulated by the work that I do. I love the work that I do. I love to be, um, I love to embrace my professional curiosities. I love to, I love that part of my identity. Then you're probably not going to fall into that guilt and shame spiral. But if the narrative you tell yourself is, I want to go back to work and gosh, what kind of parent wants that? I bet other parents don't – other good moms don't think that. Then that narrative is very powerful too and that can impact, right, if guilt or shame follows it. So honoring what's going on emotionally. What am I feeling? What's the story I'm telling myself about this transition? And then sharing this with the people who have earned the right to be in that space with you. Hopefully that's, um, you know, your partner if you're partnered or – um, a support person in your life, um, a professional, a therapist, talking to someone about these feelings that are coming up. And then, you know, when it gets to more like logistical stuff, I think talking to your partner about, you know, what are the roles here and how is this going to shift when we, when I go back to work or when either one of us goes back to work? Because we both, like whether you're home all, with the baby or the kids or you're going to work, those are both jobs. There's, those are both mm-hmm. help carry a lot of responsibilities, a big mental load to both of them. And we want to have hopefully shared responsibilities or at least intention around who's doing what so we know what to expect. And then I always also recommend practice days like leading up to it, you know, where you practice 
um, either if your partner's going back to work, like them leaving for a few hours or you leaving and dropping the, the baby off with childcare and getting all the things that you're going to need. Gosh, if you are breastfeeding, hiring a lactation consultant to support you in the transition of back to work, um, if you are going to be pumping and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think those are a couple of my main my main tips. Yeah, like those are great tips. I love scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love your, you know, just talking about it can be both. Like you can love your work and you can also really miss your baby. And yeah. I have a story that just happened this past week actually. Yeah. Um where so we have a nanny that's there 3 days a week and she is just wonderful and she adores Isabel and I'm so thankful for her. Um and actually my husband works from home two of those 3 days. So he's there if she needs anything, if she needs help. Um, and she sends me texts and photos throughout the day. And she had asked me before I left for work that day, Hey, is it okay if I bring Isabel to the park? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, of course. Like, and I'm, you know, picturing it's a beautiful day. She's going to get some fresh air. And I'm picturing them like laying on a blanket, just mm-hmm. enjoying the day. And I was like, Oh, she's, that's so great. And then I go to work and I have this awesome, powerful client session. And I'm just like on one of those therapy highs yes. and you have such oh. a good session. Love and it. then I open my phone because I see she sent me a picture of Isabel and it's her and Isabel. She's holding her, swinging with her. Mm. And I start crying oh. <laughs> because I realize yeah. that I haven't done that with Isabel yet. Mm. And I just I'll, got goosebumps. Yeah. Oh gosh. And I'm like, mm. you know, I have 10 minutes before my next client and I'm crying. <laughs> and, you know, that makes me a human. But at the same time, I was like, I didn't think that she could maybe swing with her. I didn't even think of that. Mm. And but at the same time, and I text my husband and I tell him I'm I'm kind of sad. And he's like, Yeah, I totally understand that. And at the same time, she probably had the best day, right? Mm. Um, yeah. So it's really both. And I am just like, it's it's both. And I will say the next day I took her to the park mm. and we swung on the swing and we had that reparative experience. You know, I think that what I hear from so many moms is there's this fear of like, I'm going to miss these things or we're going to start, we're start, gonna start to lose our attachment um, and I'm no longer going to be the person that experiences these things with them. Almost this like fear of like, I'm going to, I'm going to stop becoming, being their mom. And I think that it's first so important to honor that like, there is, pro- there is a grief, there is a Grief is a real thing that can show up around this because there was this little season where it was just you and your little bubble and the outside world, like hopefully for a period of time knew that you were in this bubble and they didn't try to break in, you know, like even if your partner or you only had two weeks off, like there was a period of time, hopefully where people kind of left you alone and that's a really special time. And when your partner goes back to work or you go back to work, it's like opening up that bubble and there's grief around that. And then there's grief around, you know, I will no longer be the only one that gets to experience these things. And somebody else might experience something first, a milestone swinging with my baby. But what I love that you just shared is that the next day, I have goosebumps again, like on my whole body. The next day, you took her to the park and you guys swung together. And you know what? That was her. I'm like, I'm like literally crying. <laughs> that was your first time. That was her first time swinging with you. 
And mm-hmm. that that is her that is that is so beautiful and that is so special. And I love that that was reparative for you. Um, thank you for sharing that story. Of course. Oh, okay. Um, I'm clearly still like in it, you know, because I'm – Where do we go? I'm, not, I'm like – I'm not seeing clients yet. And I've been working. Like the baby goes um, to my in-laws twice a week and that's the day that I do all my other stuff, um, mm-hmm. my course stuff, workshop stuff, podcast stuff, and my coaching stuff. And so I'm working, but I don't know. It feels it feels different when I'm going to start seeing clients. I guess because um, with clients, it's weekly. It's a it's I am committing to this person that I am now developing this therapeutic relationship with. And what I've been doing right now has a lot more flexibility to it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous and anxious too. I think about that transition and missing things and. And just having more, um, not it's not rigidity. I mean, the reason I became a therapist in private practice is because I need flexibility and freedom, and yeah. I thank goodness for that. And I still have that, but um, there's still this big commitment, you know, to my clients, and I am anticipating that coming up soon. So, feeling all the feels there with you, Mary Beth, and thank you so much for taking the time today to have this conversation with me. I really value you and are and becoming friends with you since we first connected in DMs a while back. Yes. And <clears throat> the feeling um, is mutual. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find you and the beautiful work that you're doing and offering out there? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My account name is your journey through and my website is yourjourneythrough.com. You can also check out my course, Instagrowth for Therapists at instagrowthfortherapists.com. I love it. I'll share links to these in the show notes for anyone who's listening. Again, Mary Beth, thank you so much. So grateful that we got a chance to connect today. Hey there. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit the subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes drop. A great way to support the podcast is to leave a review. And if you do take the time to do that, please take a screenshot and will you shoot me a DM on my account on Instagram at holding space for therapists or at Dr. Cassidy and let me know it was you. I would love to connect with you over there and get a chance to know more about you and the work you're doing or what episodes or topics you'd like to see covered on the podcast. I would just love an opportunity to connect with you in that way. All right. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day and thanks for tuning in.